0: Someone prayed on a Monday morning. Lord, as I reflect on my life and reflect upon myself, I realize so far I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy. I haven't been nasty, selfish, or arrogant. And I'm pretty happy with myself right now. But in a minute... I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm going to need a little help. You know, not only are we aware of ourselves and our need, but we're aware of our circumstances and the way Monday mornings tend to sweep over us, no matter how high the height Sunday may take us. And we have to ask, where, we have to ask ourselves, what and where is the resurrection power on Monday morning? Scriptures say that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. Where is that power on Monday? How can I get more of the jubilant song of Easter Resurrection Sunday into my everyday circumstances? And the answer is, the power is found in faith. The power of faith. We have to understand how the power of faith God uses the power of faith sometimes to change things, sometimes to help you change things, and sometimes just to change you. Let's take a look at how God uses the power of faith to change things, to change you and help you change things, and simply to change you. First of all, God does use the power of faith to change things, He does in this day and age. In the age of DNA mapping, you know, Francis Collins, the the, the chief uh, physicist on that project of mapping the DNA, of mapping the the human genome, is a believer. And he said this, he said, you're not going to convince anybody to believe by reason alone. It requires a leap of faith. Now, how is it that someone who knows more than probably anybody in the world about the way the universe is put together would be a believer? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Consider the question of the ages. It's not a question of physics. It's a question of being. Why is there something rather than nothing? I think Francis Collins wrestled with himself about that. I've read a number of things he's written. Just as you and I wrestle with where is God when the circumstances are closing in on us, certainly a physicist who understands all the what's of the universe, even if he did understand every what of the universe, would still have the question, where did it come from? Why is there something rather than nothing? Can nothing produce nothing? Now, imagine nothing for just a minute. Just imagine nothing. How are you doing? Is it working? I mean, I'm not talking about, like, no star stuff out there, just empty space. I'm talking about no space. Think about that for a minute. That idea that there would be nothing. And then, all of a sudden... There's something. And I'm not, again, I'm not talking about the big boom or the big bang or, the, or, or the, uh, the, the, the bursting of light into the universe. I'm talking about no space in which the universe can bang. It makes no sense. It doesn't reason. It doesn't balance. If there's something, it came from something. And see, that's where Francis Collins is. You see, when when you recognize that someone put the something into nothing, then you realize it's not a big deal. It's not a huge leap. But it is a leap to look at the resurrection. Once you go there, once you recognize that something had to come from somewhere and more than likely, given how personal we are, someone. Then looking at the resurrection is not that great of a leap, but it is a leap, especially when we're disappointed, especially when our circumstances close in, especially when we're in pain. It's difficult for us to see the noble and the grand vision and picture of human life, Creatures created in the image of God, it's hard for us to maintain that high view of life when we're in pain, isn't it? I mean, think about that physical pain. When you catch your toe, when you break your arm, uh, you know, it's very difficult to say please and thank you. You break your arm, you're sitting there with a broken arm, would you please call an ambulance? Thank you. Pain closes our field of view to where we can only see ourselves. And that's where John is. He's in pain. He's in prison. He stuck his neck out. He stood up to Herod. What's he doing in prison? Why is he in prison? He's one of the most popular people of all time in his age, and now he's in prison. Why? Well, the reason is that he confronted Herod. Now, there's Herod the Great. Why was he great? Well, because that's what he put on his letterhead. Herod the Great. That's me. He had three sons. And two of his sons were rulers. One in the northern kingdom of Israel and one in the southern kingdom of Israel. And the one in the southern kingdom stole the wife of the one in the northern kingdom. And set up his household in the southern kingdom. As ruler over the southern kingdom with his brother's wife. And John the Baptist called him out on it. He said... I'm offended by the idea that someone would do such a thing and then, and then deign to rule over us. It was incongruent with, with God's ideals. And so he called him out on it at great risk. You know, that was a time when the rule of law uh, was, was really just a thin veil over the rule of kings. This king could end his life with a wave of a hand. But that was part of John's call. John, the cousin of Jesus, in prison. He needed the disciples to give him, remind him of a grander view of human life, that that God is at work in the world, that he's doing all kinds of things, and just because you're in pain, just because your field of view is limited, just because you're in prison and can't see what's happening, doesn't mean that you can't receive a good word from the disciples. He tells them, Jesus tells the disciples, go and tell him what you see and what you hear. The blind see. The deaf hear. The lepers are cleansed. The lame walk. And good news is preached. The gospel is preached to the poor. There are all kinds of... It's kind of a code. Actually, it's not really a code. It's from Isaiah chapter 35. It's the fulfillment of the prophecy of what the Messiah would be about. And see, this, this word gospel, which means good news, gospel was used even in the, throughout the Roman Empire when, when a new king was set up. The good news of Herod. Yeah, we have a record of, you know, written record, that, that, that gospel, euangelion, you eu means good, and angel means angel, right? Which is a messenger of God, good message, good news. But the connotation is that there's a new kingdom, that something new is being done. And that's what Jesus is saying to John. It's a different kind of kingdom. It's a kingdom that's powerful through faith. It's a kingdom where all kinds of things are happening, but not always to you. Because sometimes God does use the power of faith to change things sometimes he uses the power of faith to help you change things and that's what John's role was John was being called by the power of faith to speak truth to power John was being called to be encouraged the scripture says Jesus tapped, you know, sort of taglines that he says blessed is the one who doesn't stumble because of me now it here it says offended. The, the word is scandalon, which means stumbling stone. Blessed is the one whose faith, who does not stumble in faith because of me. You see, John is in the jungle of Rome. He's, in, he's not in Rome, but he's in the Roman Empire speaking truth to power. He's in trouble. He's in the middle of the jungle of this place where kings like, like the the. the the fellow on the, the throne in North Korea can, with utter childishness, bring devastation. And he's in the jungle speaking truth to power. Here's a picture of the jungle. Two explorers in Africa. True story. Two explorers in Africa and they have their guides are taking them on this path through the jungle and they get lost. And one of the guides motions them to come and take a right-hand turn and they start going through the brush and he starts taking his machete and cutting big leaves and, and vines away and they're making their way through. And, and one explorer says, Western explorer says to the other, he says, does this guy really know where he's going? Does he know the way? And not realizing that their guide spoke English, turned around and said, I am the way. I am the way. See, that's sometimes what the power of faith is calling us to do. Is to follow the way. And sometimes we're right in the middle of that jungle. And we can't see the distant horizon. And we can't understand what is going to happen at the end of it. And whether or not... Welcome... To trusting Jesus. The power of faith sometimes changes things. Sometimes the power of faith helps you change things. And sometimes the power of faith is there just to change you. That's right. That may be the hardest project of all. Of all the universe... Of every leper that was cleansed. Of every eye that was open. Of every ear that could hear. The human heart. Who can fathom? Who can plumb the depths of it? When you try to gin up your, your own strength to change your habits, to change your mind, to change even your very nature. How's it work for you? How's it going with that? Dr. Phil would ask. How's that working for you? The greatest project, the hardest thing to change in all the universe is probably, is surely the human heart. Sometimes God does change things. Sometimes He uses the power of faith to change things, to help you change things. Sometimes He's simply using the power of faith to change you, to change you. And the question is, sometimes when we're looking at the the circumstances we want to change, we think, if I only had more faith, maybe God would answer my prayer. If I just had a little bit more faith, it's as if we think that somehow just putting a little bit more faith on that scale, just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, now it's going to finally reach the tipping point and God's going to answer your prayer. And we think it has to do with us rather than His power. What does Jesus say about John? Well, first, let me ask you this. Have you ever said that to somebody? Has somebody ever said that to you? It's a terrible thing to say. We should never say to somebody, if he had just had more faith, maybe God would have answered their prayers. If they had just had more faith, then then it wouldn't have turned out that way. If they had just had more faith, then they would have gotten the response from God. That is very bad theology. John was the greatest. He says, of all those people born of women, see, that that includes everybody, right? He's trying to say, he wants to make sure that everybody's included. John is the what? The greatest. The greatest. Not only that, he's Jesus' cousin. Not only that, he's at great sacrifice, paved the way, prepared the way of the Lord. And here he is, he's questioning, are you the one? Why am I still in prison? In other words, you see the question behind the question? Are you the one or are we to wait for another? Because I can't figure out why am I still in prison? Are you the one? You see, the encouragement here is that sometimes God is using faith, the power of it, to change us. And not necessarily to change Circumstances, and sometimes it's the circumstances themselves that have to work on us until we let them. Paul Azinger was a golfer who, at age thirty-three, great famous golfer, age thirty-three, contracted cancer, and he was very disappointed. He he was very disillusioned. He was afraid to die, and then he realized that when at one point in his treatment, he said, "You know." Of course, everyone's going to die. It's just a matter of when. And he began to listen to a friend of his who was teaching the scriptures on the tour, on the pro tour. His name was Larry Moody. And Larry said this. He said, Zinger, we're not in the land of the living going to the land of the dying. We're in the land of the dying on our way to the land of the living. Azinger embraced the season of suffering, recognizing that God was using those circumstances through the power of faith to change him. It's a great word for us, of course, even today. It's a place where you can can hang your hat. It's the, the knot at the end of your rope. That God is in the business, the redemption business. He rules from the cross. His throne is the cross. John, stop putting it this way. The cross is still the throne from which Jesus still rules the world. Why? Because he's in the redemption business. He's in the business of taking your hurt and turning it around. He's in the business of taking your circumstances and changing your heart. He's in the business of making all things new. When he said the good news is being preached to the poor, he's saying a new kingdom is coming. A kingdom not of this world. Jesus, Jesus healed the blind. He healed the deaf. He raised even raised people from the dead. But did you know, did you know, this may shock you, that everyone whom Jesus healed later died? Everyone who Jesus healed, died. Jesus didn't come to use our faith to perfect life now, to make it abundant now. He uses life to perfect our faith that we may have eternal life. I always think of the end of The Return of the King, the Tolkien series that begins with The Hobbit and ends up on this battlefield and Frodo here, Frodo is back home and he's, he's been injured and, and he thinks that Gandalf is dead and he thinks that many of his friends have died. And, and here comes Gandalf walking into his room where, he's, where Frodo is recovering. And he looks at them in wonder. And he says this marvelous line. He says, Will all sad things come untrue? And the answer on Easter Sunday is yes. All sad things will come untrue. God is in the redemption business. And because he is risen, our hope, our hope can change things. Our hope Can help us to change things and our hope can change us. And now here comes your cue. He is risen. He is risen. Let's try it again. He is risen. risen (laughs) Let's pray. Father in heaven, how we thank you for the power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. And I pray that you would open up our hearts to receive you more fully, more confidently, more joyfully on Monday morning. That in all things and through all things, whether we're under the circumstances or deep within the jungle, that we would trust you and follow you along the way. For we pray it in Jesus' holy name. Amen.